I didn't know much when I started Action Church. I didn't know what I wanted it to look like. I didn't know what kind of our values would be. Um, I didn't know what kind of people that we would reach. I didn't know what type of different ministries that we would start. When we started Action Church, we never talked about starting a food pantry or a clothing closet or you know, helping those with addiction and dealing with all the baggage and drama that comes with that. But one thing I knew that was my line in the sand is I wanted it to be a celebration every Sunday. I knew that every Sunday I wanted people to come in and no matter what they had been through during the week, no matter how hard life had been, and make no mistake about it, life can be rough. Somebody say amen. <laughs> life can beat you up. Life can get you down. Life can be nothing but drama. In case you didn't know. There's plenty of things in life that add that to you. There's plenty of things in life that drain you, that sap you of joy. And we wanted Action Church to be a celebration. If only for an hour and a half a week, we wanted people to be able to come in and have a good time. I think we've actually done very well with that. It's funny, it's easy to look around sometimes and people are like, man, church is just drama, church is drama. I can say this and you're going to laugh. Action Church has never been drama. People in Action Church have been drama. But the church has never been drama. We've never been a church that has fought about what ministries we were going to start. We've never been a church that people were gossiping and doing their phone calls about what ministries and what this did and what that did. We've had individuals that have been drama because here's the deal, you don't reach messy people and not have a mess. But I can say that no matter what, Action Church has always been a place that on Sunday mornings, for me personally, I've looked forward to. No matter how hard it's been during the week or no matter what's going on in my life, I've always been able to come here and I know for 90 minutes it at least be a celebration knowing that the band is going to take me before the throne of God in an upbeat and energetic way, that the sermon's going to make sense, that it's going to be something I can apply to my life, even if I'm not the one teaching, to know that no matter what's been going on, I'm going to walk through those doors and somebody's going to smile and somebody's going to hug my neck and somebody's going to shake my hand and that look out into the crowd and people are going to be celebrating and that's why we started this church. It should be a celebration. There, there's enough blah things in the world. Church shouldn't be one of those things. I wanted people to walk through the doors and feel excitement in the air. We've never concerned ourselves with what other churches thought about us. We've never worried about what the church trends were. We've never worried about if other people understand what we do. 
And we have been on a roller coaster of public opinion, man. We've had people think we're the greatest thing in the world, and we've had people think we're the next Jonestown. And people say, you always kind of seem to be the same because, man, I'm just focused on what we're called to do. You don't get too focused on the praise. You don't get too focused on the critics. It ought to be a celebration. I'll never forget, I was about six months into starting this church, and we were very small at that time. We were on the other side. And it was very obvious when new families came in. And we had a new family come in. And they came the first week. And they came the second week. And they came the third week. And I'll never forget the fourth week they showed up. Their kids got out of the car. They ran through the parking lot in excitement to be here. And the husband walked in who really hadn't talked the first three weeks, and he high-fived me. I'm like, ah, cool. And then the fifth week came, I didn't see him. And I didn't think much about it. People don't come to church every week. And about the sixth week, they didn't come. And the seventh week, and me being the great pastor that I am, after about three weeks, I forgot about them. And then about two months later, I ran into them at the store. I was like, hey, what are you guys up to? Hey, Pastor Kim. They were acting awesome. I was like, man, I haven't seen you guys lately. They said, yeah, you know, we, we just had to find another church. Cool, awesome. I said, really? Yeah, I said, man, I thought you guys were enjoying it. They said, we were. I said, just curious where I can know where we can improve and what we can do. What was the deciding factor and you deciding it wasn't the church for you. And I'll never forget, because in all the crazy excuses I've heard of why we're not the church for them, I'd never had anyone look at me and say, yeah, that was the problem. It, it was just too much fun. And I was just raised where church wasn't supposed to be fun. And like, it's rare that I'm speechless. And I'm just kind of like, oh, oh. So you would rather be miserable? Well, no, I just feel like that's what church is. And literally, I looked at him and said, man, God bless you guys. I hope you find what you're looking for. There's plenty of those out there. And I walked away. And like, I was kind of dazed and confused. I was like, like, like I was waiting for somebody to jump up with a camera. I was on candid camera. Blast from the past. I missed the 80s. But no one did. And I got in my car. And I remember being in my car by myself, and I start laughing out loud. And I'm like, that's awesome. If there's ever going to be a reason people decide we're not the church for them, I want it to be that, man, it was just too much fun. Church ought to be a celebration. And what's funny about that is that's not some new concept. As you read the Bible, you'll quickly learn, especially as you study the life of Jesus, that the dude loved to party. Jesus loved to be around people. He was always at gatherings. He was always at parties. He was always the life of the party. He loved to celebrate to the fact that the first miracle ever recorded that Jesus did, he performed it at a party. Jesus was at a wedding party, and they run out of wine. Now, here's the deal, Action Church. Don't act all spiritual. 
If you're at a party and they run out of alcohol, I know this crowd knows the party is over. I'll never forget the very first concert we ever had in this building. We weren't real familiar with putting on concerts and doing stuff, and we had set up a bar out there, and we ran out of beer about an hour and a half into the show. The problem was the show had about two more hours to go. And I'll never forget watching that crowd go from about 700 people to about 150 people. Because, man, it's just something about it. There's just something you associate with. Now, there's some people that don't need that. I'm not one of those people. I'm not a big drinker. I don't go at it. But, but there's just something that takes the edge off, and we associate with partying. And so here they are. They're at this wedding, and the wedding runs out of wine. And look what it says in the Bible. John 2, on the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan and Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Mom was wise. Mom knew this was a huge day for this couple, and it was about to fall apart because the wine had run out. Weddings were huge in this day. The entire towns would come out to the wedding. They were celebrations. People planned their work schedule around the weddings. And Jesus said to his servants, verse 7, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now, Jesus is the guy you want at a party. Because first of all, he's not about to turn it into wine. He's at least got a sense of humor. Some things full of water. We're going to fool everybody. Okay. Now, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. The master of the banquet was the person who put it on. He was the wine taster. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after that, when the, the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. See, what they do at the beginning thing, when everyone's sober, they give them the good wine. You know, and you bring out the, uh, the good bourbon when everybody starts to get there. Once they've had a few drinks, man, you pull out the old granddad because they don't know the difference, and you move from the $50, $60 bottle of wine to the $7 bourbon down to the $7 bottle of bourbon. These guys did the opposite. You laughing, you know what I'm talking about, big country, because like, that's what I do. Big country, you go to his house, he's going to serve you craft beer when you get there, but at night you're drinking Natty Light talking about how good it is. You know what I mean? Listen. I was like, you brought out the best wine. So Jesus takes this water, he turns it into the most amazing wine they'd ever had. And guess what happens as a result? The party continues. The celebration continues. Matter of fact, Jesus hung out with those who partied so much that the religious leaders of the day used it as one of the things they did to criticize and to mock him. They said this, this is the Pharisees talking here. The Son of Man, the Pharisees were the religious of the day. Does this sound familiar? The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
Jesus hung around people who were doing life together. He hung around people who understood that life was a celebration so much that the religious of the day began to mock him for. And isn't it funny who becomes the religious of the day? Isn't it funny who becomes the spiritual authority in life? Man, even when Jesus told stories, man, they revolved around parties. In Luke 14, he told a story of a dude throwing a great party. I've used it for this church many times, and not only was he throwing a great party, he went to his servants and he said, hey, go out to the highways and to the hedges and bring people to the party. He said, man, I'm throwing a party, and I want people here. And I've said, we ought to do that every week, man. We ought to go to the highways and say, hey, man, you like the party? Man, there's a party every Sunday. No matter your standing in life, no matter your sexual preference, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your social standing, no matter what you're going through, you've been through, or you're going to go through, there's a place for you. Hey, it might make you a little uncomfortable at first, but hey, guess what? They kind of grow on you when you realize they love you no matter what. Why don't you come to the party on Sunday? <laughs> Always talking about parties. And then in Luke 15, he tells the stories that we built this church around. He tells three stories back to back to back with three different characters and one biblical meaning. He talks about a story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one of the sheep got lost. One out of a hundred. And the shepherd leaves the 99 and he does whatever it takes to find the one. And when he finds the one, he calls his friend and says, celebrate with me, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And then before they could answer, the religious could answer, he goes, hey, by the way, let me throw another story at you. There was a lady, she had 10 coins, and the 10 coins were her way of letting people know that she was available, that she was single, that she was virtuous. This was very important in that time. And um, one of her coins was missing. I told people she was not so virtuous. Bad thing in that time. The Bible says she turned on her lamp and swept the floors and did whatever it took, moved the furniture, whatever she could to find the coin. When she found the coin, she called all her friends and said, man, rejoice with me. Come party with me because my coin was lost. And then before the religious leaders come back, he said, hey, shut up, I ain't done. Dad had two sons. And one of the sons went off on his own and he went off and partied and lost everything. He was hanging out with the pigs. And when he came to the end of himself, he said, man, I need to go home to Dad. And he comes home to Dad and it says, when he was far off, the father saw him. Why would the father see him? Because the father was looking for him. And he brought him in and said, hey, I just want to be one of your servants. I know I sinned against you. Let me just be a servant. The father said, man, go kill the fatty calf. Go get the band fired up. Open up the barbecue pit. Throw my robe on him. Put the ring on him. My son was dead and now he's alive and we are going to party. Hey, you know the funny thing about that story? It's ain't even in my sermon. It's free today. There was two sons. The other brother got all mad because they were recognizing the one son. The older brother got mad and said, I never did anything wrong. I never went anywhere. You never threw a party for me. <laughs> Why well, I deal with that all the time in this society. That church, all they care about is the people who don't go to church. No, we care about you until you get here and start going to church, and then we transform you to care about those that don't go to church. You know? Man. When you show up at Action Church, you need to show up with an understanding that one of our values is, is we celebrate hard we celebrate hard this place ought to be a party every sunday morning 
The biggest party ought not to be at Reformation when they had their grand opening. Man, I'm thrilled that they opened, and that's awesome. I was watching people post pictures in the celebration, and I was so excited for my friend who owns it and what it's going to do for our community and think it's awesome. But at the end of the day, that ought to pale in comparison to the party that happens here every Sunday morning. I love being here the first Friday night when I put on shows and it's packed out and there's cars everywhere, but that ought to pale in comparison to the party that happens here every Sunday morning. Listen, life is tough. We need a place that we can escape from reality for just a few minutes. Where we don't have to worry about the fact that rents do, that electric bills do, that you got to go home and feed the kids that this person's talking smack or that this is falling apart and you don't know if you're going to have a job a week from now or if your spouse still loves you and still wants to be with you. All those things are important. All those things are valid. All of those things are relevant. But at the end of the day, if you dwell on those things nonstop, you'll drive yourself crazy. There ought to be a place that's an escape. Welcome to Action Church. But in order for it to be a party... Parties are only as good as those who attend. Those who attend got to come with the party atmosphere. I mean, look what happens in Luke 15. Shepherd goes and finds the sheep, and when he finds it, he joyfully, he doesn't get mad that he had to go find the lost sheep. Aren't you glad God didn't get mad when he had to go find you? Holy smokes. Woo! I ain't preached on the prodigal son or Luke 15 in a long time. I need to get back over there. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He goes home. He calls his friends. And that's work to call him. He didn't send a group text. He didn't get on Facebook and say, hey, come over to the crib. I found my lost sheep. No, he had to work to get in touch with his friends. He didn't have cans even with a wire between them. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. The lady, when she finds it, when she finds the coin, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. The father, but the father said to his servants, quick, don't waste any time. Bring the robe, put it on. The father didn't even take time out to lecture him. You know why? Son didn't need it. Sometimes we think we got to tell our kids what they did wrong, and sometimes you do, but most of the time they know what they did wrong. I woke up from a dead sleep last night, sound asleep, in a coma, with a smell in my nose. That was horrible. I have a prima donna dog who will not go to the bathroom outside when it's raining. So she decided to go to the bathroom outside my door. I woke up. I was like the undertaker. I knew instantly what was going on. I had to open the door because I didn't know where the landmine was. Out of the corner of my eye, I see something moving, and it's the dog cowering on the other side of the hall in the corner. She knew what she'd done wrong. I didn't need to beat her, and I'm not going to tell you if I did because you'll call Peter on me. But she knew what she'd done wrong. So Father said to her, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. My son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. From day one, 
We wanted this place to be a celebration. You might look around this place and say, man, did they put this together at the thrift shop? There's a little bit of truth to that. But really, this looks exactly like we envisioned it looking. I told people when they were doing the build out and they were building the walls and they were, they said, well, what vibe are we going through? And at that time, man, like orange was the big color in church and you painted everything orange and did all this stupid stuff. And I said, I want it to look like a bar. And I said, what? I said, I want it to look like a bar. I said, I want there to be tables that people can sit around. And I said, man, we, we don't got a lot of money, so go buy some sheet metal because it's cheap and throw it up on the walls and make it look cool. And I said, I want it to have a loud sound system and I want it to be dark. And they said, why? I said, because, man, community happens so much in the bar and so rarely at the church. I said, the bar life has figured out how to make people feel comfortable. The bar life has made people ha- how to figure out how to build relationships and friendships. I said, I want people to come in these doors and immediately not feel like they're in a place that's too good for them, that they don't fit in. I want people to be able to walk through these doors, and I don't care what they're dressed in or who they love or where they're at in life. They can come in and be like, whoa, okay, cool, I can fit in here. And it's a weird place. Like, this is a weird, I I literally was trying to describe this church to someone the other day. And, And you really can't describe it. I mean, on the political spectrum, holy smokes, you got them. Over there and over here. I got people on this side telling me they're never donating to the church again because of this person on this side, and people on this side telling me they're never donating again because of this side. And I'm just like, hey, man, I just everybody just comes together and does their thing. And it's weird, like, a church isn't supposed to have, like, the biker crowd and then LGBTQ, XYZ crowd. and like that, Those people don't worship together. And then, you know, the white-collar crowd with the blue-collar crowd. I mean, literally right now we have people that live in $500,000 homes sitting next to people who live in the woods. It's an odd mix. And some say, I don't understand how that works. And I said, they just all dig Jesus. It just works. I, I kind of think a little bit it's what heaven's going to look like. No offense to all you people, heaven's not just going to be Trump supporters. And if it is, you might be in hell instead. I don't know. You're like, I don't know. Like Heaven's going to be all nationalities and all different skin colors and all different walks of life. And man, as weird as it is to me, because I want to put it in my nice little neat box, it's really just a celebration. And I love when people get on Facebook and they're always got opinions on Action Church. I'm like, you you have no idea. I always think to myself, how can you put it into words when I can't put it into words? See, we don't know what to do with something we don't understand. And we live in a day and time where we, we, unfortunately, the church just doesn't understand that it's about Jesus. We make it about religion and tradition and denominationalism, and everybody's got to have their stuff all together and this and that. And I was telling a buddy of mine, a pastor, about what I was going through recently, and I said, man, I've done some stupid stuff, and blah, 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 and bam, 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 bam. He's like, hey, what'd your church do? I said, man, they didn't do nothing. What? I said, they just they slapped me on the back and said, you're an idiot, man. We love you. 
He said, why would they do that? I said, I don't know. Maybe they read their Bibles. I said, I do it to them all the time. That was stupid. I love you. Ah, you're an idiot, man. I love you. I walked up to Kylie Friday night and said, hey, you idiot. Look what you did. He looked at me. I said, I still love you. I said, but this person's not donating clothes anymore to our clothing pantry because of you, so you're responsible for making that difference up. We'll keep it real here. Shut up. Before we ever had our first service, we wanted to be a party. Someone said, why are you dressing on Sunday? Because summer's one of those times where you don't have a lot of guests and we can have a family chat. And I think summer's a great time to regroup and refocus on why we do what we do. Because here's the deal. You would think creating a place that seems like a party's easy. But I've actually found it's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I'm pretty good at events. I can throw a party. I've thrown parties that tens of thousands of people have come to. But we have a stigma and a stereotype in our mind of what church is supposed to be. And life can get so much of my wife recently informed me that I'm a complainer. I think I've shared that with you 972 times now. It hurt me deep about a year ago. It hurt me because, man, I was like, oh, crap, she's right. See, that's our tendency to focus on how horrible everything is and how bad everything is, and oh, woe is me. I mean, I've had a mind shift, and now it drives her crazy that I try not to let anything do that, but I don't always do it. Sometimes it overwhelms me, but I mean, life ought to not be focused on the negative. I'll be focused on the positive. When you're focused on the positive, church becomes an exciting place. It doesn't get rid of all the craziness in our life, but coming to church and making it a celebration, it's just a reminder of some things. The Bible says this in Psalms, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Life doesn't go like you want it to go. The Lord made this day. Life threw you a curveball today. The Lord made this day. Things don't go. You got a diagnosis you don't like. The Lord still made this day. Money's tight. The Lord still made the day. Kids are driving you nuts. The Lord still made this day. The Bible says this is the day, and we should rejoice in it. We have such a negative outlook on life. A negative outlook on life responds in negative people, and negative people coming to church makes church the worst place to be instead of the most exciting place to be. Most of us come to church out of duty instead of out of excitement. I, I, I think action is in a real weird place where it's about to do something cool. You know how I know that? Because every time... The shit starts to hit the fan. I don't know what to say, baby. I'm sorry. The dookie hits the fan. Y'all get all freaked out. I get all excited. Because I'm like, God's getting ready to do something good. And the devil don't like it. This is the healthiest this church has ever been. The people who go to this church are amazing. I've been telling you to hold your fort for a long time, and I ain't going into that story right now. If you don't know what it means, come back, because I'll share it, because I share it all the time. But I'm telling you, man, God's getting ready to blow the doors off this place. It's going to become that place. I think there's a change in our times where people are just sick of the way church has always been and the formality of it and the denominationalism. And at the end of the day, they just want to hear about Jesus 
And places like Action Church are going to be the ones that point them to Jesus. Someone asked me, they said, man, are you wore out with that place? I said, no, actually, I'm probably more in tune with that place than I've ever been. We went through some transition where me kind of moving out of what you guys thought a full-time pastor was and what church ought to be, and we kind of moved into our own groove. And, man, I can say it's about Jesus. And as we continue to grow, we need to remember that this has to be the oasis on Sunday mornings. That doesn't mean that everything we deal with the church is going to be a celebration. There's hurting people that come through these doors during the week that need our love. There's people who can't feed their families that need our love. There's people who don't have clothes for their children that need our love. There's going to be addicts on Friday and Saturday. As much as they drive me crazy, and I'm in a real bad place with them right now, I'll always have the building open to them because at the end of the day, this is where a lot of them find light. And it gets frustrating. And there's going to be times where it's tough. But Sunday mornings for 90 minutes needs to be a celebration because this might be the only positivity those people coming through the door see. So how do we get to that mindset? we got to remember some things. It's real easy to forget some things. It's real easy to get through the motions that things happen so much. And I think this happens in our marriages. I'm going to talk about this next week. It happens with our kids. It happens with our job. We just get to where we're going through the motions because we forgot the excitement of what it used to be. We need to party around here, and we need to remember we party because we're not alone. We party because we're not alone. Look to the people to the right of you. Look to the people to the left of you. I get it. They're ugly. I get it. Some of them are scary. I get it. Some of them don't hold to the personal beliefs that you hold to. But guess what? You're in a group of beautifully flawed people just like you. I don't broadcast my business all over the place, but something really pissed me off this week. I found out so many rumors about me this week. I found out I got arrested for selling drugs this week. In 1992, when I was 16 years old in Tequila, and even though, but apparently I got arrested in Woodstock and I was 35 at the time. I mean, I found out all kinds of stuff about me. And it goes in this year and out the other, and I can really care less. Then I saw one person who said, and that place was never there for me. And that flew all over me. Because this place is ugly, screwed up, messed up, broke, busted, and disgusted. But we do there for you real, real good. Someone this week said, I don't know that I'll go back because I had some kind of surgery and Gary didn't call me. I'm sorry that my telepathic mindset didn't know you had surgery. If you don't tell me, I can't know. Oh, Gary, superpowers. <laughs> So-and-so is having surgery this week. I can feel it in my soul. We don't do much well around here, but we do being there for you real, real good. One thing you can know when you come to Action Church is you're not alone. 
You're not alone. It's flawed, and it has imperfect people, and there's nothing you can do that would ever freak this crowd out to the point that they won't be there for you, and they won't love you. And if you think you got a story, hey, stand in line, because I am the chief among those that are flawed. It just kind of works. And all the broken pieces make this beautiful mosaic. (laughs) This place is full of stories. Full of people that have been there for you. So yesterday, well, so for Thursday, I'll give you a little example. So Thursday, I go get the oil changed in my car. And they come out and they're like, hey, I didn't like the way this plastic plug thingy looked, because that's what I heard. So we ordered you a metal one. Okay, plastic plug thingy, metal, metal sounds better than plastic, whatever. I go out to my car and there's oil all over the driveway. And I'm like, huh, never noticed that before. That's interesting. I'm driving down the road and the computer's like, oil low, stop now. I'm like, huh, okay. Well, there's an auto parts store there. Here's the deal. Me and an auto parts store. Everybody's like, he's so cocky and that guy uh, thinks he knows everything. No, no, you ain't ever seen me in an auto parts store. Because I'm like this. Like, I sneak over to the lady in the corner, I'm like, hey, can you help me? I think she thought I was going to sell her drugs. I, I said, oh, no, that wasn't my police record. I'm sorry. I was like, hey, like, I got this car, and I don't know what kind of oil it takes, and my oil is pouring out. And so she gives me the oil, and so, you know, I, I don't know how that works, man. So, like, I'm trying to show some cleavage because I'm like, is she going to come go put it in my car for me? Because I don't know where it goes in my car. And, like, I don't even know how to get the hood up in my car. And, like, so my, my go-to now is I call, like, Brandon Harris paints cars for a living. Paints cars. But in my mind, he can do anything with cars. But I knew he had his kids. I'm like, I ain't going to call Brandon. Okay, I only live like three blocks from here. I'm going to drive home, and I'll walk to church tomorrow. And then when Christine gets back, she'll know how to get the hood open and get the oil in the car. Being honest with you now. And then the doors of the auto parts store opened. And all of his right-wing bigotry, there was my angel, Kylie Blankenship, walking in. Hey, what are you doing? I said, I got to put some oil in my car. He said, you don't know how to do that. I said, that's why God sent you here. <laughs> I got my car fixed. It was all good, and I'm going to go get it fixed tomorrow because apparently something's cracked or stripped. And I don't understand it. But my point is, we're not in this alone. <laughs> There's a brotherhood here. I always say the biggest... L- Put this on there because I'm sure it's going to make some people angry. Let me tell you the biggest lie in the world. And I heard this a lot when we started this church. Everybody, we had a lot of motorcycle people here, like motorcycle gang people. They're like, the brotherhood, the brotherhood. There is no freaking brotherhood in that. This is the brotherhood. Okay? This is the lie. This is everybody there for everybody. That's the way it's supposed to be, BTW. Look, look, Look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one. We say the Bible's complicated. I don't understand. Let me explain this. Two, two better than one. Illustration. Two tacos, way better than one taco. Two beers, big country, two beers, not 20 beers. Two beers, 
better than one beer. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. How sad is that? Also, if two tie down together, they lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, this is a family. I didn't really grow up in a family that was a family. So I didn't really understand the power of family till I married Christine. When families get together, they celebrate. They party. You can't help but feel comfortable enough to be yourself. If you can't be yourself around family, you might have the wrong family. This place ought to be a celebration every week because you can come through these doors and know there's a community that accepts you. We had someone recently come to our church, and they were telling me their background, and it was a unique situation that we had never dealt with before. And they were telling me about their situation, and they were like, I don't know about the church. And I said, what do you mean? I said, you've been coming like five weeks. Ain't anybody brought it up to me? No one even knows. I said, it's in your head. You feel uncomfortable because society's made you feel uncomfortable. You're making this crowd feel uncomfortable. It's a family. So when you need a reason to celebrate, it's because you walk through those doors, and you know you're not alone. Man, most churches try to force community. They have Sunday school and small groups, and they put you together with all these people that you don't know and say, do life with all of them. That's not how it happens. Community happens organically. You know my favorite, I've said this week a hundred times, my favorite thing in the world is to be on Facebook and see you guys doing life together throughout the week. Because you do life together. It's fun. It's family. You're not in this thing alone. <laughs> it's amazing. Hey, you know why else we party around here? Or why you can feel liberty to party? We can party because Jesus is not afraid of our mess. I, I specifically worded it that way. Jesus is not afraid of our mess. The church might be. Other people might be. But Jesus isn't. <laughs> Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. This is the prodigal son I was just reading you about. And he set off for a far distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Seasons don't last long. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs, the ultimate insult for a Jewish person. He's now feeding pigs. What they was unclean. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was so hungry that he started thinking the pig slop looked good. When you get down and out and you get in a bad place, even pig slop will start to look good. Son comes to his senses, heads home to the father. You would think the father would be there ready to scold him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
He was at. He was just make me a servant, Dad. It's better to be a servant here than out there. <laughs> but the father said, quick, bring the best rope. Put it on and put a ring on his finger. Send us his feet. Bring the fat and cow and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. <laughs> Here's my favorite part of this story. And there's so much depth in this story. I could preach on this story for two months probably and never had the same sermon. But my favorite part of the story is this. The father ran out to meet his son. He didn't run out to lecture him. He didn't run out to say, I told you so. He didn't run out to say, I knew that was going to happen. The father wasn't afraid of his mess. Here comes his son. His son stinks. His son's been hanging out with pigs. His son's broke. His son's probably lost all kinds of weight because he has no money. He squandered part of the dad's inheritance. And the father runs out to meet him. The father didn't care about the mess. Father doesn't care about your mess. Your mess doesn't scare him. Your addictions don't scare him. Your hurts don't scare him. Your habits don't scare him. Your hangups don't scare him. Ah, if I walked into the church, the roof would cave in. Don't flatter yourself, honey. You ain't that bad. God loves us. We party around here because Jesus isn't afraid of our mess. I have said this from day one. You might hate my guts, but what you get on Sunday, you're going to get on Monday. What you get on Monday, you're going to get on Tuesday. What you get on Tuesday, you're going to get Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I am who I am. I try not to be sinful in who I am. Let me make that very clear. But listen, we don't do fake around here. If you're looking for a pastor that has it all together, that never messes up, never screws up, and a pastor's wife who never messes, well, you got a pastor's wife who's about perfect. But listen, but she still messes up every now and then. And we all screw up, and here's the deal. Guess what? It's just life, and Jesus ain't afraid of that. He's not afraid of it. Got these deep, dark secrets. You ain't got to have those. Jesus gets it. Hey, listen, hey, we won't be perfect till we get into heaven. And we're worshiping him who is perfect. Man, God loves the mess. We celebrate because life change is happening around here. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's real easy to forget that life change happens around here week after week after week. It's real easy to forget that every week that people who never felt accepted in church and loved in church and have been told they can't even join a church come through the doors of this church and they try to throw their sin on me or their, their vice on me or not even their sin, just their lifestyle on me. And they're like, Lula, just shot me. I'm like, okay, let's go, go get a seat. And then uh, my favorite line is always this. They're like, well, well, can we be members? Well, members would imply that I'm organized enough to have membership. So we don't really have membership, so you can just hang out and do whatever. Okay? Your lifestyle doesn't scare us. My lifestyle doesn't scare you. It is what it is. Here's the deal. I ain't God. Contrary to popular belief that everyone thinks we're a cult. I, where's that camera at? I have never said I was God. 
I'm just an idiot he decided to use down here in the ghetto of Canton, and you're crazy enough to listen to. Life change happens in this place. There's not a week that goes by we don't get a message, an email. Somebody gets fed. Somebody gets. Somebody walked up to me the other day and said, man, are you Gary Lamb? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't ever know if I'm fixing to get punched or praised. I'm like, I am. You don't know me, but I've been going to your meetings over there in that building for six months now. And I haven't had a touch of alcohol in six months. And that group of people over there helped save my life. And I just want to think, I said, well, don't thank me. All I do is give them a key to the building. But life change happens here all the time. And that's a reason to party. Now, let me make this clear to you. I said this a little bit earlier, but there seems to be a little rumbling around here that I don't like. When you help hurting people, there'll be times you get hurt. That don't mean we stop helping. We don't answer to God for their actions. They do. We might get a drum kit. We answer to God for our actions. And that book says we're to love people. But don't you get sick of this happening? I guess. Yeah, I ain't going to lie to you. There's times it hurts. There's times it breaks your heart. But if I let them take my joy and my love for people, then, I, then the devil wins, and I refuse for that to happen. I can't start leading this place out of bitterness and out of anger. We're just going to love people. And if that bothers you, find me after the service. Tell me what you're looking for in a church. And I will do everything in my power to find you another church that fits what you're looking for. But we're probably not it. You ain't got to like that. And if all of you decide I'm wrong, that's cool. We'll find another pastor and I'll move on. But I can't be part of a place that's going to quit helping people just because people hurt us. I'm on the front lines of those attacks. I get it. But we're going to love people no matter what because he said, I've come that they may have life. And I see the life change that happens here all the time. I see the marriages that are restored and I see the addictions that are restored and I see the people being reunited with their kids around here and I see the people finding their purpose in life and I see people discovering their calling and I see a safe haven for a group of people that need this safe haven and that won't start and that's a reason to celebrate today and a reason to party today and somebody say amen. He didn't come where just we can have life. He came where all people can have life. There's nothing that gets me pumped up. You know why I keep doing this crap? People ask me all the time. My best friend asks me all the time. He said, how much longer are you going to pastor? How much longer are you going to? He goes, you barely even do anything but show up there now. I said, yeah. I said, but I'm going to do that as long as I feel called to do it. Because when I see life change happening, it just makes it all worth it. Man, life change happens around here. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It ought to what gets you out of bed. This ought to be a celebration because you never know who's walking through those back doors. And this was their last resort. Hmm. 
We miss partying over life change because so many times we're jealous that our lives aren't being changed. And we're mad that other people's lives. We're kind of a society that delights more in other people's misery than their victories. <laughs> I just can't get over that life change happens. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. This ought to be a place. That out there tears us down. Social media loves to tear down. This ought to build up. And when you're feeling built up, you can't help but celebrate. And the last time I'm done, I'm going to eat. I'm hungry. These are just reminders. They're not the deepest sermon. Sometimes you just need some reminders. We celebrate, we party, because heaven's celebrating. Back to Luke 15, the sheep, the uh, coin, and the sun. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. <laughs> a lot of religious people all of a sudden on Facebook lately. In between the totes of the meth pipe, they get real religious. All of a sudden, they get real religious. He said, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 religious people. Listen, quit worrying about the religious and realize that heaven's rejoicing over life change. Luke 15, 10, in the same way I too, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over God, of God over one sinner who repents. It seems crazy, but heaven's a party. They party as life change happens. They, they party as people get cleaned up. They party as those people who don't know him come to know him. They party when relationships are restored. They party when marriages are put back together. I, I think they party when we go through trials because they know as we come out the other side of the trials, we're going to have victory. You can't get to the mountaintop without going through the valley. And if you keep walking, you can't stay in the valley forever. There's no never-ending valley. Hey, this ought to be a celebration. The day it quits becoming a celebration, let's just shut it down. Seriously, I, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just saying let's shut it down. There's enough places around not to celebrate. And I said, well, we like hanging out together. Cool, here's the deal. We'll all go join a church together. That's cool. We'll show up on a Sunday, but hey, what's up? We're here. We don't want to serve. We don't want to work. We're just here to chill because we like each other. But this is too much work to do it and not celebrate doing it. This place is a party. <laughs>